Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I'm James McSorley and as always I'm joined by Mark Schofield who, even though we're perhaps the people that least need an icebreaker of all time, has got a conversation of topic just to get us going, even though we talk about this once a week and also talk when we are not on podcasts, believe it or not. Uh, Mark, okay. first of all, how are you doing? And second of all, what have you got? I'm good, thanks man. And I have some exciting news to share with us because unbeknownst to you and equal parts unbeknownst to me, we have officially expanded Bench Units Enterprises. I don't know what would be called. Um, Bench Units Business Areas anyway. And we are now the official game day caterers of RSV Landil. What do you mean? So I received the following WhatsApp at 2.43 today, which is just shy of two hours before we hit record. Hi, Mark. I would like the Fusion Energy Bowl with the Hoenig Zenth yogurt dressing and a no chicken mango wrap with the mango curry dressing, please. Dankeschön, kind sir. Ah, yes. Yeah, so that's that, I guess. I replied, I was like, I don't know if I was who this in- <laughs> if I was who this was intended for, but I'll see what I can do. So yeah, we've um got a fair few meals to rustle up coming coming to this weekend. All right, get to rapping. Uh <laughs> please don't break out in music. Um yeah. all right. Um let's move on from that. That was weird. <laughs> Should we talk about Balloonian Malaga? Let's do it. You were so keen to game. get you were so keen to get shot of that. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was weird. Um, but yeah, so Elunia and Malaga played on Thursday or Wednesday. Wednesday, I think. Uh, yeah, one of them. They're all so. so uh, yeah, well, if I ask you A or B, and your reply is one of them, I don't know how much further you get me to. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> Wednesday. But yeah, I was very excited about this because I didn't know it was happening, and um, no, it was Thursday. Never mind. Um. Yeah, I, I was no longer excited about it because it was Thursday. No, that's not true. Uh, El Union, 82, Malaga, 61. Um, first quarter, 23-21 was a lot of fun because Malaga were sort of sticking with them and running and gunning and scoring pretty well. And Sandoval seemed like a bit of a handful inside. And then it just didn't matter because Terry had three threes. Yep. Uh, it was funny that I was trying to figure out how short I could go and then say, and then it doesn't matter because Terry had three threes, but I think I'd be underplaying how, well, I think Malaga were sticking with them. And then the quarter after that was just 25, 12, like it just got away from them. They were close. And then I think there's that thing of like, oh, lads, we might stick with them here. And then when someone just daggers you the way Terry did there, like that's. That that's yeah. tough. Mentally, that's 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 a kick in the teeth. Exactly that. Um, yeah, I mean the the thing is here, if you look at the quarter by quarter splits, it was close in the first and then the final quarter, by which point, you know, things were out of reach, was actually tied. So Illunion won the middle two quarters of this game. The middle twenty minutes they won that by twenty one points, which ended up or oh, 19 points out of 21, sorry. Um, yeah, they they have always kind of let teams hang around a little bit more than they should have, but I think we saw it, the game that comes to mind from last year was when they played Leganes, and it was like a five-point game at halftime, and then it was like 34-9 in the... Um, sorry, I'm probably bringing back memories for you with that scoreline. Um, but yeah, I think we've um, seen the seen the kind of Illunion quarter. I don't know if this was quite that. It was really like an Illunion few minutes and then kind of step it up from there. Um, this was a Malaga team that I think we have both been pretty excited about, the Sandoval edition. He did a lot of his damage in the first quarter, but he has always, going back to like the Brit-heavy Madiba teams that he played on, he's always had a tougher time against Illunion, especially as they kind of toggle lineups to get maximum size out there. He's a pretty good get in there and finish guy. Um, anyone whose game is get in there and finish obviously takes a hit percentage wise when Bill and Hasso and Amadou and whoever else is kind of 
one or two of those guys is always there waiting. There's, you're not avoiding all of them. Um, but yeah, I thought decent game from him overall, decent game from Espaza. Um, Elunion just able to shut down Malaga's outside game in those middle two quarters was kind of the the main swing, I think. Um, yeah. Kyle finishing with six points to the game and Abdi with two. Yeah, if you look at that, like 13 shots in total between the two of them while also keeping Sandoval fairly inefficient defensively. Elunion have been in, in a good spot for the last couple of years in certain lineups, but it looked like they're in a good place. Um, yeah. Now, um, Esparza with uh, 23 again. Um, I say again, I don't know if he had 23 last week, but Esparza top scoring again, but it just not quite being enough. It looked, it went from, I don't know, I was just as someone who wants to watch basketball and gets very excited when there's a random game on a Thursday when I have nothing else to be doing. <laughs> I, well, I really wanted this to be something that I was interested in watching. And then it went from, oh, this could be something eight minutes into the game to like I maybe turn I might have thought about turning it off mid third quarter you know that's kind of how it went um I did think as I watched this 20 point margin at this point given what we've seen from both teams seems about accurate if I was to tell you on whenever the return game of this um matchup is it's going to go from 20 points of margin to plus or minus 10 on the margin, which one of those would you be inclined to pick? As in, do you think it goes to 10 or 30? Yeah, as in, it's either Illunion uh, by 10 or Illunion by 30 next time these two play. Um, I think both teams will get better, but I just think it's way more statistically likely that it's a 10 than a 30. Like, I, I, even in the big blowouts, you don't see 30s a lot. Um, I would say it's it'll it'll be less than 20 next time maybe what do you think yeah i was i was leaning towards 10 um because i think malaga have room to improve i think elunion generally build up slow but they seem to have hit this season you know they've hit the ground running really um so i think elunion will improve but i don't think elunion have the massive um overhead to just keep getting better and keep widening the gap on the teams underneath them just on account of already being great yeah <laughs> like yeah. if you start out like 85 percent fulfilled you know it's you're not gonna get gradually like three or four percent better every single week until you're operating 100 percent. it just doesn't happen um <laughs> but yeah no i think we've not really got enough of a gauge on malaga whereas we've seen Elunion against enough good teams to I think know they were going to handle their business here. Um, we're not going to know more about Malaga until we see them go up again. I can't remember who it was they beat uh, last week, so you're going to have to forgive me on that one. But it was a pretty comfortable outing for them. Um, I had the lead. Yeah, that was it. Um, we're just going to have to see them test themselves against the the higher up teams to really know who they are. I guess. Sure. Yeah. It'll 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 come. I think. Plugging in a guy like Sandoval is a big enough change that it'll take it'll take a little while. But yeah, I just like liking watching them play a little bit more. I think just having a big guy that goes inside so much um, definitely, definitely protects their like shooters a little bit more. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, right, next one. Up next. Man, this was fun. Um Amiab 97, Madiba 65. So this was this was a wild first quarter, I think. Enzo Trabuchet was like, is he like 11 from 12 in the first or something? Yeah. He was 11 from 12 in the first or something similar. Ends up 13 of 18. Um, pretty good numbers, but um, that first quarter is still 30-23. Like, even if you go right, we're just going to turn this into an absolute like up and down. There were like Madiba were just sending one early on defense, like just forgetting about boards and going, yeah, we're big enough. We'll get one off. You go, we'll get some breakaways. And Wild. Uh, if you told anyone that teams were taking that approach against Albacete, they would be like, oh, or Albacete getting 500 offensive rebounds a game. But obviously an undermanned Albacete interior, I guess. Yeah, obviously still missing Lee and Ali. Um, makes a big difference there, but still that's not like a 
I don't know if missing two of the biggest guys in the league is is like I don't think that's enough for me to take that bet because you're still I don't know they're still four big <laughs> like Phil's yeah. massive Alexi's massive Ben's massive and Fifi's pretty big too um yeah like but hey, it worked for them a little bit on offense it's just I don't know how many boards they gave up I don't think the fact that Amiab scored 30 in the quarter was because they gave up offensive boards I think it was because Filipski had 41 yeah not like not that. in the quarter just to no <laughs> Although we could see it. He's playing against us this weekend. It could be the first 40-point quarter. I doubt it. But he could end up at 40 in the game. I don't know. I'll be here. I'll be here in a week being like, yep, yeah, told you, 40 again. It's 38 one week, 40 the week after. So as he do 44. Um cool. Well, that that's your scouting complete for this. Bad coming. news. Uh yeah, we're just in the way. We're just we're in front of a train. Um, nah, man. Uh he looked unbelievable. We spoke about it on the Kitty Down to Now podcast, which will also be out. When this is out, uh, yep. go listen to it. And we spoke about the fact that he was our belt winner because, well, one hit 41. Uh, and more importantly, he shot a lefty and one coming around to pick uh, like 18 feet from the basket, splashed it, and then a quarter and a half later lined up for a free throw backwards for no reason. <laughs> um, this guy, imagine being that good and still just like having the most fun with it. Fucking around. Completely yeah. ridiculous. Like, I don't know. Like I, I take it so seriously, and I'm terrible. Uh, maybe I need to. <laughs> maybe I need to relax. Famous last words from James McSorley. Well, but you also you say that I dare say it wouldn't be as well received if you came around and pick and shot with your left hand. I think he's earned certain liberties at this point. Yeah, you earn it from I don't know five Champions Cups or whatever he's won, but you also just absolutely earn it because he's made one of those before. I've seen it. Like, um, but yeah. Um, as we said, they kind of stuck around first, second quarter. Um, halftime, yeah, pretty close game, like but it was nine 50, point game at halftime, I think. Yeah, 50 41, and then just fell apart in the second half. There were like inbounds going straight to Amiab guys and layups being run in. And um, I think just the demands of having to be in your absolute A game for so long against Amiab, you kind of, when you don't have that many players, that are playing big minutes, you kind of, I don't know, you you you, you run out of gas a little bit, and then Amiab are more than posed to just take advantage. And well, also, the kind of fiction they were across the board, man. They shot sixty one percent from two as a team. If we're looking at trajectories as well, man, if Enzo Trebuchet had the quarter of his life and goes eleven from twelve in the first quarter, <laughs> he still managed to lose that quarter by seven points. Exactly. You're not looking at that being like, hey, there's a bunch of stuff we can fix up and we'll catch them right up. <laughs> it's um yeah, you've you're kind of hitting your ceiling already and they're still outstripping you. But Mediva shot 50% for the game, give or take. Um yeah, and, again 61 though. <laughs> so yeah, I think Mediva called this an offensive outlier of a game. I mean, Trebuchet finished the game on 13 of 18, uh, with 29 points. So, is he going to get that against everybody? Probably not. But John with 19 as well. Madiba hitting 65. If they can kind of keep their scores in the 50s and 60s, if they're able to put 65 on MAB, logic would say they can at least hit that number against some weaker teams and they'll be in for a scrap with some of these. But, yeah, this one feels a little bit um, nothing to lose on this game plan of just sending Trebuchet long and you know, hoping he'd run layups and whatever. I don't think they're going to get away with that every single game. Yeah, even like... Won't try and play that against teams that they see as a more realistic chance to snag a win because, you know, it's a lot easier to take risks when playing it safe also probably isn't going to get you anywhere. Yeah, if you may as well, because you're going to get smacked by a team as good as Albacete, it's probably fine. But also, like, I mean, I've figured it out within the half. Like, they just stopped (laughs) giving up breakaways. And I think whoever plays them next week will have seen that. And if they're doing their homework and be like, oh, cool. So safety, let's work on that a little bit. Um, whoever's playing them next week is in training right now talking about the fact that they need safety. Um, yeah, that's, that's not true. It's half three on a Wednesday. I don't know who trains right now. But anyway, should we move on? Let's do it. Okay, next one. Katafe 37, uh, Amphi Vigo 71. 
A big thing to talk about here, Oscar Knight with 25 and 12, which is oh. great. Um, great double-double, man. Yeah, double-double, second game in the league. Um, this is just Amphiv being a better team than Katafe. They were kind of in transition for most of the game, five on four, and they're pretty big across the board and, yeah, made them pay. All shot pretty well, got inside pretty well. Yeah, not not that exciting. Um, Amphif look. Yeah. I think Amphif look pretty good this year. That they're, they're massive anyway. Um, I, I was actually calling this. Um, I was thinking based on what we saw last week, where I guess Hafe pushed, uh, Burgos to that overtime game. What was it overtime or just fourth quarter? Come it was just fourth fourth quarter. Get Hafe yeah. falling apart. Um, I was looking at what Getafe did there with uh, Rodrigo Perez and Paco Quiles kind of carrying the load. And I was like, eh, it's not crazy to think, you know, I don't think anyone would look at Amphib and be like, oh, they're in a drastically different class to Burgos, right? So, um, like, yeah, no, better than so, them, but I don't know by how much. Yeah. Um. So I was looking at this and being like, oh, maybe Getafe will steal this one. And then Perez goes from having 30 to having 17, and Paco Kilo goes from having 22 to having 8. So they, yeah, they go 9 from 38. Yeah. Um, if, you're, so... if, you're just playing, like, if you're going kitchen sink from two guys and they go 9 from 38, you're going to have a bad time. Is yeah. not really that great a take. But, yeah. I, th- I um, think the interesting thing from the percent or something. Sorry. Yeah. I think the interesting thing from the Amphib side is they obviously lost to Albacete in a relatively close one. Um, where Oscar did his thing, Lewis had a decent game. Agostin in that game was like four of 15 or whatever he was. Uh, in this game, he had six points and he was one from eight. So Vigo played two games. Agostin Alejos hasn't topped um, double figures at any stage, which is like unheard of if you look at his track record of putting up like 28 points while Amphi lose to decent teams. Um they obviously made up for it with Oscar Knight with 25, Lewis with 19, um, Julio with us with 15. So they're getting that across the board scoring. And if they get a vintage Agostin game mixed in with any of these, they're not going to struggle to put points up um, against anybody, I don't think. This this reminds me of some of their previous teams where I think the year that they had like Lewis and Sandoval and whoever else it was, and it's like, Agostin plus a bunch of guys who can finish is a, a recipe for a decent offense in and of itself. And especially if he gets back to knocking shots down, this is going to, it obviously didn't matter in this game because they were yeah. against a weaker opponent. But yeah, um, whoever comes up against them better hope that he doesn't find his touch again if these other guys are going to score like this. Yeah. Cool. Uh, very little, very little else to say. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not, I'm gonna try and not do the most when we're talking about teams near the bottom of the league. But yeah, I just, yeah, Oscar Knight having 25 and 12 in his second game in the league is cool. Um, right, um, Joventut 52, Burgos 72. Um, I was talking to someone about Joventut, and I was talking about the fact that I did not know that they had uh, Leap Villafagne. Roberto Mena, um, plus the guys that were there last year. And Lorenzo, Lorenzo Mbo, uh, Ben Leach is, as well there, obviously, but I don't include him in the following thing um, because this is like the wheelchair basketball equivalent of the Expendables. <laughs> They've just got a load of like late career gunners on the same team. This might be, and there's a lot of these teams kicking about, but this might be the most do we need two basketballs team I've ever seen. And I love it so much just as like an experiment. Like I don't know any of the guys at all really, but it's like wheelchair basketball, big brother in terms of like, we'll just stick these guys together and see what happens. And it's, it's so fun. <laughs> it's, man. If they're the expendables is Ben Leach um, as the young guy on this group is he Liam Hemsworth character who is in the second one and then dies in like the opening five minutes. I hope not. Um, I it's the, the only young member of the team I could think of. Oh sure, yeah, I saw the trailer for the new one, and I'm like, yeah, I could take this or leave it. And then I realized Fifty Cent was in it, and I just went to like 
gripping on to the armrest in the cinema and like whispering to whoever would listen to it being like i would give you 200 pounds to watch this right now <laughs> but yeah um we're, no one is here for expandables takes it's gonna be bad don't watch it but uh don't watch it is a bit strong <laughs> yeah, i'm gonna watch it but not because i think it's good um but yeah um flaco martinez with 29 on 57% shooting uh, against a team that goes to 52. Um, Servigas Burgos just looked like the more well put together and more like structured of two newer teams in the league or lower down teams in the league that have more talent overall and they're sort of better coached and better put together and it it's very clear. Um, they just kind of, yeah. I don't know. It's there are levels to this, even within the sort of lower half of the league. I would yeah. say. You yeah. I'm saying this like Burgos are two from two. They're the best team in the world, um, and they're your favorite. Happened. But like, look at the shot chart. It's just layups, man. Like, <laughs> I I did find it interesting um, watching Burgos. I wonder if they have a drill in their training sessions where everybody just has to pull a rebound down and immediately throw it at where Flacco Martinez is because it's like. Point one on their offense is like, hey, don't outlet to anybody except this guy. Um, I wonder if there's 12 teams in the league that are like that with different guys. I don't know why. I just noticed it a lot more in this game. Um, yeah, I think Burgos obviously not played anybody massively substantial so far. This Juventus team looks kind of fun, but I don't think I'll be um shattering any illusions here when I say they're probably not going to be very good. Um, oh, I did. It's, I it's an experiment, with, not a basketball team. It's both, but you know what I mean. I joked with Madiba last year that if you're a, a not legit team and you want to, the first step towards looking like you're trying to compete is to sign either Jose Leap or Sofian because they're two guys who have the ball all the time and at least they prevent chaos ensuing, even if it doesn't really get you very far. It's a floor raiser, isn't it? Like you yeah. take away, you take away the real the real bad stuff by being like, okay, this guy has the ball most of the time and worst case, he'll shoot it. Best case, something else will be created. <laughs> no, like actually, that's why a lot of guys do it. I, I think that's why a lot of guys, they well taken away like the ego side of it for some people, but there's a lot of guys that are like, hey, if I have the ball in my hands, worst case, we're in control a bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Shall we move on unless there's any more insights to be gleaned from this? Um, unspectacular affair. Uh, Burgos are going to win the league. Uh, no, uh, they're not. Uh, but this was fun to watch. They are a cut above the sort of actual bad. Day. It's weird for Burgos having played Chauventut and Getafe first two weeks. Like they've won those two, and they're probably like, "Hey, are we are we safe? Like, are we just done?" Um, also good that obviously Fer- Ferriani is their coach this year, and there's going to be a point where Team Canada need him. And so he's not going to be there anymore. So pretty handy that two of the big games for them to at least stay up yeah, yeah. Um, have been at this part of the season. But yeah, that's just... Have they not um, hit you up for your player coaching services? Uh, no. Um, although it does make me laugh that like I coached a friendly against Gran Canaria and it was the first time that they've they played together and they like figured some stuff out immediately, but I'll take it where I can get it, where we won by... 20 odd and then we've played them twice since and it hasn't been the same and I'm a bit like ah. it, it's not me at all I hated it but you know it was fun to pretend right should we move on uh, talking about talking about pretending to be fun I mean um, via the lead 47 Mercia 57 I was making fun of us not to the other teams by the way um, so you weren't able to watch this on account of not knowing that it was on Spanish TV and not geo-blocked. That is correct. So I watched this. Uh, I've also watched so many games that I couldn't really remember it until I looked at the stats and saw that Marcia managed to win a game shooting 36%. Mm. This game kind of just stunk a little bit of Marcia first game of the season. They have two players who are coming back from Thailand with jet lag if not more, um, I don't actually remember. Uh, my apologies. Uh, but, yeah, they have a handful of players coming back from Thailand with jet lag, and they've got new guys being integrated, and it just looks a little 
a little weird. Like uh, they just missed a load of shots and there was points that it turned into chaos and normally that would benefit them, especially against a by the lead the way they are now who kind of look like they want to play a little slower and um, I would have thought the pace would have benefited Mercia, but it was just chaos and they haven't quite figured out how to harness it yet on account of this being their week one. But um, I think they're going to be good. And I actually, even though I'm saying this was mostly chaos and rust, I think they're going to win a lot of games without scoring 60 points because they came out with their starters and went like um, Pablo Zarzuela, Lee Fryer, Pete Cusack, uh, Lalo Prieto and uh, Lourdes Ortega. And it's like you look at their press lineup as well that they can plug in with Pete Kuzak as well now, and it's like and Luigi, and it's like oh okay yeah you're gonna you're gonna cause some teams some problems on one end of the floor. So um, I don't really have a whole lot about this specific game, but just going forward, it'd be interesting to see if they can keep that defense up and also score. They've been pretty good at it in the last couple of years, but. Um, yeah, interesting to see if there's some games that they hold a team to 40 but struggle to get to 60. Yeah, I think but yeah, uh, that would be. <laughs> I think an interesting thing with Mercia is they're obviously, I think this is year three of them being up in the division of the honor now. Um, Joaquin Robles has obviously been there since as long as, at least since I can remember them being on the map. Uh, they've been built around him in like previous iterations of the team or whatever and you know, game one of Pete Cusack's tenure there is like, okay, Pete, you're in the start of like starting lineup. Joaquin, this was your spot previously, but you'll be coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete made that look entirely justified with, you know, being tied for top scorer and Joaquin did fine off the bench uh, with 10 points of his own. But I thought that was a massive swing, man. Like these things seem like they shouldn't matter, but they do matter to people who've been you know, crucial in the formation of the club. And there's a lot of guys who maybe wouldn't have taken that particularly well. Um, and, you know, there's no two bigger Pete Cusack fans than us, but it's not like you brought in, you know, Oscar Gerbelak to replace, an, you know, your four-pointer. Who was already... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. I also think if you look at Mercy, man, they start their five that you described, they've then got, Joaquin, uh, Luigi, Bielcabo, and Beatriz Dudari off the bench. So that's nine real rotation players. Um, I think they've their previous lineups in other years have had question marks as to who their fifth guy is going to be. I don't think they're going to have that problem in a lot of cases this year. No. Um, so yeah, excited to see them. I think they've got the inside track on the fourth spot to start the season. Um but yeah, I think they're going to have a, a scrap on their hands for it, for sure. For sure. Um, also, just on the Mercia not maybe generating a whole lot offensively, but it not mattering um, via the lead 20 turnovers. Um, I don't know, obviously, how many of them were live ball. Uh, well, 12 steals. So, um, wait, no. Uh, I'm being stupid. I read the wrong thing. Um I can't see steals on here, sorry. But yeah, so 20 turnovers, at least a certain amount of them live ball. I think that's where Mercia are going to get a lot of juice from this year. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Don't know who they have this this week, but I'm excited to see the first time they come up against one of the top teams and just try and give them an absolute nightmare 40 minutes. Like if they, I think if they beat any of the top handful of teams, it'll be just like a rock fight. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Talking about rock fights. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Grand Canaria, 52. 60. Oh my God. So this was... Uh, I was there. I forced into playing some minutes that uh, I didn't expect, I guess, from File Trouble. Uh, yeah. Uh, trying to stop Katie having... 30 and she had 27. Uh, yeah, she she did what she does, maybe slightly less efficiently than she was going for, but net 12 from 26 when you're that high volume. Um, make a couple more and you're in business. And just, the, I think the issue was no one else came along for the ride. Um, she was 
the only one of their guys in double figures that obviously Salazar and Ramone on nine points each, but who you'd expect to be the next two guys, but pretty hard to win a game if you're one person in double figures, even if it only does go to 60. We had um, Chema, Asier, and Papi all on 14, 14, 12. And those guys are known as the Pat who lineup. Yes. Um, it took me a second there. I was like, what? Uh, but yeah. Um, so that was that was enough to carry us home. We had uh the refs got real weird at one point. It kind of worked in our favor at various different points. Uh a couple that didn't go on our didn't go our way, obviously, but uh yeah, refs were not great for Connie, I would say. And I think that's fair. I think um the bit that interested me with this game really was, I think, mid-second quarter, there was a point where both Ramone and Salazar had three fouls personal, and they went to a weird makeshift lineup that I don't think Grand Canary have ever had in mind using. Um, so Katie was essentially the ball handler, Cosarino was out there, and then I think it was Basti... Um, what's the... Local- Yaisen was it on the floor at one point. He was out there. Uh, and then maybe David or Raul, I can't remember. Yeah, but, David, I think. Yeah, um, and that got it to a one-point game at halftime entirely off of kind of makeshift, move the ball around and, you know, we'll, you know, we don't know what we're doing, so what chance have they got kind of offense? Um, <laughs> and Yeah, they got it to one point. You guys came out and got it to 10 by the mid-third quarter, I think. Yeah. Um, at which point I was like, well, this is probably over with. So I went and put my little one to bed. And then having got all that sorted, I <laughs> checked the score on my phone and it was suddenly back to a three-point game again. I was like, what's going on? Um, so, yeah, I thought they kept fighting about and They just they needed someone other than Katie to make some shots because I think the trickle-down effect of that was she was getting kind of semi-open and just launching because they hadn't been able to generate anything else. And she scored over half their points uh, while also taking very nearly half their shots. Um, and yeah, I thought they really had enough to just, if they could have stuck one more run together to stop you guys getting ahead by like seven or eight at various points, they would have been okay. Um, but it's really tough to keep tabs on a team like that when your offense is only coming from one place as opposed to those guys spreading it around. Yeah. Um, and yeah, shouts to Mariano when she made the couple of layups to seal it, especially there was one pass from Pappy, which I'd like to ask you, do you th- know do you think that big guys know this is a thing, the like possible dump down pass where they like look at you, definitely could pass it, and then they like look around for a better option, they're like, I kind of have to give it to him even though I'm not thrilled about it uh... um, it, is a, it is a real thing, but I think bigs think that guards don't know about it Oh, for sure. It exists. I actually spoke to them about it. And I think he like looked and then Mariana had to be like, Bobby. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, cool. Right. Um, I also I just I had the greatest time being like, hey Papi, you were on the elbow throwing the ball into the low post to a low pointer. Do you feel like you're in Italy again? Uh <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mariana making them both is big in that in, in that moment. And yeah, man, kind of didn't play well and got away with it and there's some value to winning those as well I guess uh, so yeah all good glad to get out of there uh, so just, to, um, just to make sure we um, line things up you actually have a better win loss record without Pat Anderson than you do with him do you see that being a problem going forward I think we have a better not playing a union record uh, when Pat's not here which is probably part of it but I, I I don't see that being an issue going forward. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think anything to do with having Pat on your team is an issue generally. Um, it's mostly well, good. It's, well, it's good news, I would say, for, well, you for a lot say, of teams. You could say the only thing that is an issue is when he goes back to Canada and is like, see you in January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A minor issue, but... We're just trying to win enough games that he comes back. That's <laughs> Imagine if we were like mathematically eliminated from the final four by Christmas and he was just like, all right, cool. I'm not going to come back to play Champions League. <laughs> uh, 
That'd be silly. All right, cool. Shall we move on? Let's do it. All right, Ryan River Rhino, 76, Dolphins Trier, 55. Before I mention that, should we have spoken about the two German games that we're not going to mention? Yeah, let's do that quickly. All right, do, do you want to do, do that? Yeah, so first up, there was meant to be um, Hanover and um, Zwickau, but I think Zwickau have had, this past week, they've had an illness go through their like team, I guess, kind of I think they all live in like flats together and stuff. So I guess if one player gets ill then it spreads pretty quickly. Um so yeah they have had to postpone this game and it will be rescheduled at some point. So no result on that one. Other one is Skywheelers 56 and Munich Iguanas 61. Um no stats provided for that game. So the rule for the weekend roundup in the interest of saving our time is if you don't provide stats, the game doesn't get talked about outside of the scoreline being read off. So shout yeah. out to me if you want us. But other than that, we shall move on to the teams that provide us stats so we can pretend we watched. Also, half of that game was streamed, only half. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't really look like how it was going to end up. So I was like, I can glean very little from this. Uh, turned it on. Uh, Skyle Wheelers looked pretty good, removing the ball quite well, shooting quite well, and Kate Lang was shooting the ball well on the other side. And I was like, "All right, how is this gonna end up?" And I still don't know. <laughs> but yeah, all we know is that it did. No stream one week, half the stream the next week. It's all right, but we'll have a full game next time and play at home. Yeah. Munich is a, a two um two full games into their season and there's 20 minutes of footage of them losing a game they won. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been a really good second half. I'm sure yeah. it was. Uh mathematically. All right. Um anyway, so Rhino 76, Trier 55. Sorry, I spoiled that for you a minute ago. And yeah. if you were a betting man and you didn't think they'd do it twice, uh sorry about that. Um, but yeah, this was, I don't know I'm, what I've spoke about, how I'm a big fan of the sort of interchangeability and whatever, and the sort of versatility of Rhino's lineups and watching it go against just trying to press, um, Basuan was a lot of fun and Passawan with 17 is about as low as people will hold him to. Generally, I, I I should actually chart his like shot attempts because I also don't know if twenty two is low for him on that. It must be because it seems like about right for the guy who shoots the most on uh, any given team. Well, but, he definitely from, adds a ten onto that. Apart from KD, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Also, that's something that I might before it's too late go back and chart just like like league like European leaders in shot attempts just so I can give out a trophy at the end of the year because I love a gunner. I can't see a reason why that wouldn't be a great idea. Um yeah I think Rhino's the interesting thing for me was obviously you have to take the competition into account, but I felt like last year they've had or yeah last year was Moji Kamali's first year. He didn't play a whole lot because they had no real bigs. Um High seven has played a lot, and this felt like they got 21 from Heiss and Moji off the bench in 15 minutes, had 10 points. It feels like if they can get the best out of both of those guys in whatever split of the minutes they each take, then they're in pretty good shape for the other guys to fill in. Um, Nico with 14, Aaron Young with 10. Mikey Paid, you know, apparently is... I don't know how long he's been out of like actually playing at the professional level, but he's come back and had double digits on fifty plus percent shooting in his first two games. So, I mean, I don't think you lose there. that. Yeah, I've heard. Um, I've heard from other people that he's just like the greatest day chair shooter in history. Oh really? Um, oh, so, five for that. Yeah, a day chair day chair shooting all star five, but I think that translates to like they'll run offense and he'll just like sit in the middle, direct traffic, and if it comes to him, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sat still. I can cash this. Don't worry. Um, he's just one of those guys that, like, if you throw him a basketball in 20 years, he'll be able to shoot. Like, yeah, it's time. it's fine. But, no, I just love that. Um, I just love the, the sort of the exchanges and all that different stuff, and we've got so many different sort of ways to retool offensively. Um, also, didn't really have much of an issue scoring in this. Um you look at their, I'm not going to run the maths quickly enough, but you look at their 
four starters that aren't Jim who took the lion's share of the shots. And that's what mid sixties percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The shooting stats for their four top scorers are, or five top scorers, even a seven from 11, nine from 12, seven from 15, five from 13, four from eight. And then Keo Kita with six points thrown in on 75% shooting in what must be a career high 21 and a bit minutes. Um, a, a, a career high not in the national team. Yeah. Ah, that's not true, but yeah, we're we're big play Keo fans here. <laughs> uh, well, apparently he's not because he keeps going to teams that don't play him. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works. I think most people get promised the world, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that the only thing that I thought was particularly interesting of this was it was a real game of two halves with Rhinos doubling Trier up 40 to 20 in the first half, and then it was basically tied 36 35 in the second half. I was like, man, apparently, you know, if if Trier had shown up, if second half Trier had shown up for the entire game, this could have been drastically different, but. Yeah, I think that's also foot off the gas. Ryan River yeah. Rhinos showing up in the second half, maybe potentially. Also, I'm just thinking about the Keita thing. Do you think you sign up if you sign up for a team that doesn't have a coach yet, and then they sign up a coach who is a massively successful ex player who's the same classification as you? <laughs> Do you think you have a little minute of like, oh man, I'm gonna be handing out water here? <laughs> Almost definitely. That must be tough. Yeah. Um, have you anything else on this? Or shall we shuffle on? Uh, no, let's let's move on to a game that I did not watch because it's behind a paywall, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I found this to be a fun exercise. So for people who don't know, uh, Thuringen Bulls home games are going to be behind a paywall, and I think it's five euros for a week. So I think potentially five euros gets you two games if they have back-to-back home games, which is not necessarily a given. Um, it also depends on, like, timing-dependent yeah. of the games, I guess. Um, but... Yeah, so I was... I actually thought rather than... I wasn't going to pay for this one because I wasn't going to pay for Thuringen against Munsterland. I'll pay for Thuringen Landil, probably Thuringen Hanover, and if Wiesbaden still look pretty good, I'll think about that one. Um... And I was like, I'm just going to watch the live stats develop and see what's going on here um, and see if I can kind of glean the story of the game. Um, so and then you saw 26-6 in the first quarter and you were like, cool, everything I need to, to know. Going back to last week, Munsterland obviously ran Landil to like a seven-point game across four quarters. And I was like, ooh, a Landil a bit shaky, a Munsterland pretty good, a little bit of both. Throwing it at the same time beats Zwickau, but you know, they did have last week and they do have this week guys on their bench that, you know, me and you have never heard of and we spend our lives looking at these statues. Um yeah. and I was oh, like, yes, they had a bit of an illness thing. They're missing players, obviously. So during it ended up basically going with five guys for most of the game. So I was looking at this and I was like, I wonder if there's any roadmap through which this Munsterland thing pushes Thuringen as well. Um and then it was eight nil. Which was more than um, Landil beat Munsterland by, and it was like that in two minutes. So I was like, ah, this is this is peak Bulls coming out and knowing that they're not messing around here. And that was pretty much how it progressed. It was twenty six six after a quarter, and then you know the other quarter scores after that I could read off, but were largely irrelevant at that stage. Yeah. Um, and the Bulls, to their credit, did come out shorthanded. Marie is obviously back, which gives them a little bit more ability to stack the deck at the other spots. Um, yeah, they knew what was at stake, man. They knew they were against a team that was feeling pretty good coming off their last game, and they weren't prepared to leave anything to chance on this one, is the feeling I got. And this was without Haluski, who is, you know, the centre of the solar system of everything that they do. Uh, Vahid had 26 in his place. Hubert Hager as the other big with 19, and then Jordi Ruiz with 12, Ari Twag with 19. And yeah, they they just weren't going to let this one slip, and that's kind of what we expect of them. Yeah, I, I'm in no way saying it was this at all, because uh, I have no idea, but it would be funny to me if it was like, oh, you guys had a tough time against Munsterland, go watch this. Um, <laughs> yeah, once again, I, I don't think it was that, but 
Uh, but I, taking care I of business in that way while undermanned is great, but that's also just what Turing can do. Like I feel like margin of victory against teams more than two spots or three spots below you in the league, they're like the all-time leaders because it's just like I feel like they'll have tight games against Landale, Hanover, Wiesbaden, and then everyone else is 35 or more. Like, Yeah, to, to go back to what you said about the second half of that Rhinos game where you said foot off the gas, there is with Thuringen, there is no concept of foot off the gas at any point. There is only pushing the pedal up even harder into the floor. Yeah, they um, have no brakes uh, at all. They just um, don't need them. Don't need them. It's a go-kart. Um, on the, on the Munsland side, Julian Lammering with 20. Um, so he's had two strong games against two very good teams. By the way, we've not really touched on that, but what an unkind start to the season for Munsterland. Ah, <laughs> uh, get him out of the way. Season starts next week, lads. Don't worry uh, about it. Um, yeah, Julian Lammering with 20. Um, Zoran Muller with 11. But Munsterland shooting 38% on 13 less shot attempts. Oh, no, sorry, six less shot attempts than what Thuringen had. Yeah, you're just that Munsterland have come a hell of a way since we started doing this. But if you want to look at where where you might want to be, there's a hell of a way to go. And if you were telling me an, an amateur team primarily rolled out against Thuringen and kept it within 30, I would say, well done to you. Yes, fair enough. I've got I've got little else. Last one. Last one. Uh, Landell. Expected six... game of the week. What? Sorry. Unexpected game of the week. Yeah, man. Landell 67, Cologne 63. And still kind of felt like Landell are finding their bearings slightly. Certainly defensively anyway. I know they only give up 63 in the end, but it seemed like, I don't know, still feels like they're trying to get it together slightly. And they kind of, I don't know, at least could always depend on winning games defensively, and they did in the end. They held Cologne to 63 and scraped a win, but if you're not going to shoot that well as a team, you're going to need that stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a big game from Cologne, obviously. Bullet Codal uh, continuing the He Doesn't Miss World Tour, uh, going 8 from 18. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like at one point I was watching and I was like, I know he has missed, but I don't remember it. Yeah. And I was like, does he ever miss? And I don't remember when it was in the game, but he took a shot, missed it. And I went, oh, there you go. And the ref called a file. And I was like, ah, fair enough. <laughs> he doesn't confirmed my suspicions. Yeah, I thought um, this is an interesting one. Landil, obviously, we were a bit shorthanded last week. This time they've got Rose Holloman and uh, Katharina Weiss both back and ready to go. Um, yeah, I... It was it, the plus minuses for this are all over the show because the lineup that brought them back into the game and ultimately sealed it for them is actually all in the minus because their starting lineup got blown out in the first quarter. Uh, where Cologne won that one 18 8. And I saw the stat sheet at that point, and I was like, geez, I better turn this game on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it always felt like Cologne were just scratching and clawing and getting just enough at any given point. Um, kind of after that hot first quarter. And to their credit, Landil put the run on them a couple of times and went from four points behind to four points ahead on a couple of occasions. And Cologne, uh, where I kind of wrote them off, I was like, they really look like they're struggling to get two scores in a row or two decent shots in a row. And they did exactly that, just enough times to keep it interesting. Um, They even, I think when one of their guys got in foul trouble, uh, Mustafa maybe, they went to a lineup with Robin and the two bigs who hadn't played a minute up to that point in Thomas Raya and Asael Shabo. Yeah. Shabo came in, um, swung the, they swung the ball around aimlessly for 22 seconds and Shabo just caught it and launched it, sat stationary, straddling the three-point line with Rose Holloman on his footplate and splashed it. I was like, oh, maybe this is actually just, <laughs> maybe this is meant to be. Yeah, when you're um, playing those games and something like that happens, there's always a little, little of like, oh no, is it just, yeah, it's just gonna go like this. Inevitability. Uh, but I thought Cologne, it predominantly with their starting lineup, they kind of found a way to leverage their physical advantages at most of their spots. Um, Matthias Heimbach, perpetually underrated guy, I thought he had a good game. Um, Tommy Gray, not a massive impact, but I thought one thing he did bring was 
he's just in a different weight class to a bunch of the land old mids that they're throwing out there. Um, and especially with their bigs wrapped up defending Kodal, who's towering over everybody. There's a couple of offensive rebounds. I think one where Tommy Gray cut on Quentin, maybe, and pulled the offensive rebound down, and it was so like juvenilizing. It was everything short of him putting him on his shoulder for a fireman's lift while he pulled the rebound. It was absolutely absurd. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cologne, I thought, definitely had it in stretches, and Landil were just able to get enough together. They brought Mendel back in, I think, either late third or early fourth quarter, and he was defensively and just enough offensively able to get them moving in the right direction. And yeah, it ultimately came down to the last handful of possessions and Landil are probably going to out-execute, you know, inferior teams, if you want to call it that. But my God, they made hard work of this. Yeah, man. I think when you come out in the first quarter and I think Tommy and Rose were one of 12 combined or something and Rose is just coming back from having hurt her hand, obviously. So that'll take a minute. But you look at like Yannick went two from three. Mendel was um, six from 11. Um, Rhea was five from nine. But then you've got like 38%, 22%, 25% going on down the going on down, down the line. Like if you just don't make shots for 40 minutes, you're going to you're going to have a bad time. And there's more to it than that. But a lot of the time with Landil, it's kind of like run X, Y, or Z, run a man out or whatever, skip, skip for an open 17-footer. And if you're not going to make those, you either have to just kind of trust that they'll go at some point or you got to sack up on defense or go in a different direction. I think we've seen enough to know that they're not really going to change their tack offensively if it's not working. So being able to tighten the belt on the other end and kind of figure it out defensively was useful. I thought there was a point where Cologne were just like very methodically hunting whatever the biggest advantage down the floor was. And like there were times where it was like, okay, one of their bigs will just cut on the lowest pointer no matter where they are or like whoever had a miss. Um, And like Robin Pogamich is going to find that a hundred percent of the time but um i don't know if you can like go out of your way to try and hunt that stuff for 40 minutes or and not have a good team figure it out but yeah no, you're right yeah man also uh, like they'll come out next week and they'll shoot better than this and it will be a 20 point game again i don't know who they're playing i'm i'm, I'm lying but <laughs> no i think there's it there's enough um there's two games evidence against not great teams now to be like uh landil you know, we've seen the other top four teams in Europe come out looking like, you know, they've hit the ground running. I don't think you can really say the same of Landil, but they had a very sluggish end to last year. Maybe it's going to take time to to build back up to where they know they need to be, but only time will tell, man. And similar to what we were saying with a couple of teams in Spain, we won't really know where they're at until they play some heftier competition. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those interesting ones where it's like they have three games a season or in a half of the season. Sorry, they've got home and away six games that will really tell you what they look like. And I don't know when they are, but I'm excited for them. But yeah, I think that's us done going through the games of the week. So do we want to, I know the we've already done it in the other podcast, but do we want to mention the belt as as awarded by Kitty Dandina? No, we'll send people over to that podcast. They can listen to it. All right, uh, have a look at that podcast to find out who has the belt. Or alternatively, just look at our Instagram stories because it'll be there. Uh, we'll, we'll count that as a listen. Anti-marketing. Um, all right, cool. I think we're done. Yep, that's us. Thanks, everybody. All right, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week with another roundup. And yeah, take it easy. Bye.